0: Welcome to KISS FAQ Song Stories. In this series, we'll focus on the histories of some of Kiss's best and least known songs. In this episode, Cole Jin, originally released on Kiss's debut album in 1974. Cole Jin was one of Ace Frehley's earliest musical contributions to KISS, perhaps only predated by the riff that was used during the creation of Acrobat. That said, Cold Gin was a nearly fully-fledged song idea, something that Gene and Paul had hoped would be the case with all the band, with all members contributing material to both the band's songwriting and singing. Ace recounted in No Regrets that the song was about loneliness and poverty, hard times in general, and that comfort can be found in the bottle. He continued that while that solution would later become a problem in his life, the concept was more abstract to him at the time. While he feels that the song holds up well to the test of time, he does ponder one curiosity, which he also recounted in No Regrets. He said, I have to admit, I'm not even sure what I was trying to say, or why I wrote a song about gin, let alone cold gin. I didn't drink gin didn't drink liquor of any kind very often. I was a beer man then, and not even a connoisseur. Give me a can of whatever you have in the fridge and I was happy. I wanted to write a drinking song, and cold gin sounded like a great title." has also recounted that he wrote this classic song in his head while on the subway, going to and from rehearsals at the band's horrible loft. It's not surprising that the cold New York City weather of January 1973 would have served as a motivating factor. What is clear from the song was that Ace was fully capable of writing quality material on a par with Gene and Paul's level right from the time he joined the band. Ace told San Diego's KFM BFM for their Origins Artist Series in May 2016 that the song had been inspired by the introduction riffs on Freeze, Fire and Water. was another song he'd cover on his Origins Volume 1 album, inviting Paul Stanley, who also loved that band and singer, to participate on the song. As had been the case with the creation of many songs, Ace had been playing around with the free riff and transformed it into something different that resonated with him. The riff served as a starting point for the song, so once he had that, everything else developed from that point. He also admitted during Loudwire's Wikipedia Fact or Fiction series in 2014 that Gene had a hand in the writing of the song, contributing the bridge. He also recalled Gene rejecting the addition of his name to the writing credit, with Ace recalling, In those early days, we weren't too worried about who gets the writing credit. All we cared about was, Is the song good? We were more brothers in rock and roll and just concerned with reaching for that brass ring. Ace also told Metal Express Radio in 2016 I came up with the melody and the lyrics, and Gene reworked it once we decided that Gene should sing it. The quality of the song is obvious, with it being chosen for the band's first demo recording session in March 1973. The problem was was that Ace was not a confident vocalist at the time, and he felt intimidated by the other three members' vocal skills. He also felt that he couldn't sing the song, as it needed to be sang. So, with him declining to sing it, it fell to Gene who would continue to own the lead vocal for the song in concert for many years. One must wonder whether Ace would have cackled uproariously at the absurd notion of the non-drinking and straight-arrow Gene Simmons singing his drinking song. If Gene was reaching for anything in a fridge, it wasn't beer. It was for cold milk and cookies, not a cold one. Unfortunately, the song wasn't captured live on the June 1973 Daisy soundboard. Actually, that may not be entirely accurate. The Daisy tape includes a partial second set that includes just three songs. Prior to the first, Strutter, beginning, there is tuning and banter picked up from the mics. Right at the beginning of the track, cold gin can be heard heavily distorted through the static of the tape. It might be from bleed through, degradation, or over copying. It's possible that it's even the microphones picking up something being played over the PA. That said, it clearly does not match the March demo, and sounds like the live performance at the tail end of the song, so it's possible that it's the ghost remains of an earlier recording on the same tape. It's just over 11 seconds, but it's as fascinating as the few frames of KISS loft rehearsal to survive visually on the Coventry video. but it was certainly performed live throughout the year. It appears as the second song in the set following Deuce, in one supposedly Daisy Rap and Routine listing sold at the Butterfields auction in 2000. Casablanca executive Larry Harris noted the song as one of the first recordings from the band that captured the sort of energy the label was hoping for from the band on their debut recording. Hilariously, well, perhaps not. Paul introduced the song somewhat flippantly at their second December 1973 Coventry gig. This song is for every alcoholic in New York City, and that includes us. Part of the previous night's performance also survives on video, making it one of the earliest available videos of KISS during their club era. If everybody feels good, tell me how many you have been drinking tonight. Some of you are too drunk to clap your hands. Well, we started before we came here. We're going to do a song for all of us, everybody here. The Drinking Man song is called Cold Gin. You take a line out from the board and do a dance. The album version recorded in late 1973 removed nearly a minute of the song's original arrangement, with the second guitar solo being cut and the outro section being shortened. Further changes seemed to take place during the mixing stage. Studio documentation suggests that a 4 minute 54 second version was among material dubbed to a one-sided EP for review on November the 27th. It had likely been mixed the very same day, Additional mixing was done on December the 6th, and a 4-minute, 45-second version was cut on a 12-inch, seven-song Acetate on December the 10th. It's not clear if those versions are the same, or there's a typo in the minutes noted, since those could easily be flipped around, but the final album version was substantially shorter, clocking in with a duration of 4 minutes and 22 seconds. This seems to suggest that maybe there's a longer version of this song in the vault somewhere. As was the case with other songs, most of the change was simply a matter of the song's arrangement being tightened up compared with the more jammy live version from the club era. Another minor difference from the March 1973 demo is Paul Shout following the guitar solo break section, where the Whoa Yeah! replaces the original Whoa! alright, Come On! Although Cold Jim was never released as a single, it has remained a concert staple throughout the band's history. The song was included on Alive, It was probably primarily constructed from parts of the Cleveland shows. By the time of that album, the song was firmly entrenched as the party song in the set, allowing Paul to take his rap in different directions on a nightly basis, whether it was tequila, Southern Comfort, whatever booze he could think of on his mind would come into his rap. Usually though, whatever liquor he was mentioning, he was playing the role of a bartender to the audience. The song also moved around the set, but by 1975 it was regularly used as the set-closer prior to the band returning to the stage for their obligatory encores. The following year the song dropped back into the middle of the set, serving as the launching pad for Ace's space guitar solo. The song was recorded for and included on the abandoned Rock and Roll Party in Tokyo live album in 1977. As was the case with other early classics, the song was dropped from the Love Gun through Return of KISS tour sets, though it did return to the set in time for Eric Carr's debut in 1980. It remained a stalwart in the set throughout the 1980s and only fell out of favor briefly during the electric shows in Japan and Australia in early 1995. The song's importance to the set can be noted by the fact that it is one of just five classic original songs performed by every single lineup the band has ever had two of those are from the debut. The song has also been an important part of the Ace Frelli solo band sets throughout the years. Not surprisingly, Ace made his vocal debut on the song during his first ever solo show with Frehley's Comet in November 1984 at SIR Studios. Four, two, three, Following that show, the song was seldom absent from Frelly's Comet and the Ace Frehley Band's solo sets, and it was included on the band's Hammersmith Odeon performance in March 1988, filmed for the Live Plus 4 video package the following year. Ace joined members of Skid Row for a rambunctious performance of the song on a broken-down acoustic guitar in MTV's Headbangers Ball in early 1989. Sebastian Bach, Dave Sabo, and Rachel Bolan had guested on backing vocals on Ace's Trouble Walking album, but they were on tour with Bon Jovi at the time. Live audio of the song from The Hammersmith Show was included on the 12 Picks compilation in 1997, and again on Greatest Hits Live in 2006. Not surprisingly, the song was also included on the Ace Vision Volume 1 issued by Ace's Rock Soldiers fan club in 1994. The tracks were filmed during the Just For Fun tour stop in Orlando, Florida in March 1993. By the time of the reunion, Ace wanted to share the song vocally with Gene, alternating verses, though the song would retain the more familiar KISS live form for the reunion. Even with Ace's amazing accomplishment of gaining personal sobriety, he has kept the song in his set during his second post-KISS solo career. Ace has recounted that he wasn't a fan of how the song sounded on the debut album, finding it lacking ambiance and sounding too dry and slow for his tastes, as he described in Behind the Mask. In that interview with Ken Sharp, he suggested that it was a song that he'd like to re-record with modern equipment and techniques, something he realized when the song was included on his Origins Volume 1 album in 2016. However, on that recording, he had Pearl Jam's Mike McCready guesting on the guitar solo. It did at least finally present a studio version of his vocal on the song. Ace had also known Mike for a long time and knew that he was a fan of the song, so since he hadn't been able to have him guest on a song for the previous album Space Invader, it was a perfect opportunity. Not surprisingly, when Gene and Ace reunited on stage in 2017 for the Children Matter Hurricane Harvey benefit in St. Paul, Minnesota, Cold Gin was one of the songs they performed together. The song is still being performed by both KISS and the Ace Frehley Band.